Kangs, Puce Kangs, Puce Kangs are best. Today's episode. I would have loved that if it had the resonance of believing in the backstory and believing that they were abandoned there in a way that made sense. And so I honestly hold every single person in this story responsible for his death. There was one moment later on where I thought, oh, that wasn't bad acting, when she just dialed it down from 11 to about 7. And I was thinking, this is how it could have been if she'd been directed properly. It was squirty cream, so I don't think there's any real dairy product goes anywhere near that, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. I love how we're getting into the detail. (laughs) I think squirty cream is at the core of this. Hello and welcome back to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast that unites Andy and Alex despite the world that exists between them. Hello, my name's Andy. And my name's Alex. How are you, Andy? I'm very good in this Between the Wars setting. Not really Between the Wars, between the Christmas and New Year time of of thing. (laughs) Were you doing a, a Stella Gonnet? Yes, it was a Stella Gonnet slash Louise Lombard moment between the wars. Good. A sort of knowing, yeah. a knowingness that the war is coming, but not yet here. Soon. There'll be a war soon. Yeah. It'll all come out in the wash. <laughs> nice. Yes. And I'm, wear- I like I'm wearing the sort of clothes that would be worn in this period. Yes, they would. They would. Yes, they would. <laughs> Me too, sweetie. But we're actually broadcasting in February, hopefully, provided the world's not over. Yes, yes. exactly. So that. happy first February. of happy first of February, everyone. Happy first of Feb. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that might be Matt Hillier's birthday. I think that's probably one of the few birthdays I remember from my weird past. Oh wow, it's an interesting one. Yes, yeah. Happy birthday, Matthew Hillier. <laughs> I'm sure he listens regularly. <laughs> regularly. Just to hear your voice <laughs> once again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, how have you been, my lovely? I have been good. I had a Christmas and that was nice. Um, yeah, no, good. Things are, yeah, manageable. I'm not working. I love not working. It's brilliant. Right. Having a holiday is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's, it really is proper summer holidays. Um, and like the girls don't go back to school till, yeah, well, two days after this goes on air. So like they, this is the long holes now. Ah, of course. So, yeah, yeah. So no, it is all. It's all lovely and calm, and everyone's out doing nice things on their boats. And I'm looking at all them saying, "You're too rich. Get off your boat. <laughs> Stop it. Stop now. it now. <laughs> You're not impressing me. <laughs> <laughs> not impressing anyone. No. Um, no. Yeah. 
so so that's what's happening so yes I'm all very well and calm and relaxed and oh actually more importantly this is the piece of information that does make me calm and relaxed Iona as you know from the last episode has been working recently at a courier company um, I don't think that went in the episode <laughs> You don't even care. I don't even care. Um, anyway, she's been working at a courier company. And you know with couriers, they lose parcels a lot. Lose stroke. Biff them. Biff them. Biff them whatever. Steal them. Yes. And um, yeah, they had a sale of all of the things that hadn't actually properly gone where they should have <laughs> this gone. This is terrifying. And Iona, <laughs> I know. Iona bought me 23 bottles of wine. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> she got them for under a hundred dollars 23 bottles of very good quality wine That's honestly insane. i'm in absolute heaven right now yeah yeah good there we go so that's been that's been my time <laughs> good to know. that's about you that's about me um we've been madly cleaning the house before anna and her family arrive because we haven't had anyone here during lockdown i've barely any anyone well of course we haven't um, I know it's not official lockdown, but, you know, we've not been licking anyone up the legs recently. And so we've had to, like, clean every room and it's been quite stressful just because it was a lot of work. It's like... You should be less dirty. <laughs> less dirty. Less work. I think the problem is when you have a big house... Show off, show off. When you have, <laughs> when you have a big house, you just sort of dump things. It's not good. Whereas if you have a smaller house, you have to keep things more tidy. Oh, is that what you're saying? My house is beautiful and tidy. Is it? Is it? Is it? It's not. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I have a time-honoured question to ask you, and that is... What have you been watching on TV? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been watching on TV? Um, well, I had an answer for this. All gone. No idea what it was. But it's something that has just struck me that I've watched recently that has just been odd that I feel like I need to share that I don't think many people have watched is a film called Fat Man and it is a Christmas film um, with Mel Gibson and I don't think anyone's ever heard of it but um, in it there's a boy who is a bit horrible and bullies people and so for Christmas he doesn't get what he asks Santa for he gets a lump of coal and so as you would, he decides to take out a contract on Santa. And so there's a hired, a hired hitman to, to kill Santa. And there's these like horrific moments where they're, like all these elves are being terrorised in the workshops by this man with a gun. In the end, like Santa gets shot in the eye. I, I, I'm, beh I'm behind this narrative. <laughs> it's quite good. It really is. It was a really harrowing moment, actually, when, because um, like a bit of a side plot is the elves also have to work um for the american government to um, building <laughs> of, munitions of course they do because they can't they don't earn enough <laughs> making the presents and so in order to stop the um them setting off certain alarms they have to chop all the um the bells off the end of the elves shoes it was honestly it was just a harrowing harrowing moment <laughs> so yeah that is so that's what i've weird. been watching on TV. i feel like i'm still in bed asleep at this point <laughs> it's one of Mel Gibson's better works I'll tell you Good. I'm pleased so I have yeah. been watching Diana thank you for asking which is an RF Delderfield drama from 1983 
um, with Kevin McNally, who was recently in <laughs> in Flux, the Doctor Who thing. He was the psychic professor person guy who became a companion ish. Oh, yes. him, yes, in yes. Lost, yes. He he's the lead in Diana, and it was Patsy Kensett, but now it's Jenny Seagrove. Now she's grown grown up in the in the adult version of the role. But um, it's directed by David Tucker, who did Tenko, and who I directed. Uh, who I directed. I didn't direct him. <laughs> I, I wish I had. Something a bit big for your boots. <laughs> I directed him in an episode of our podcast. No, I, I would say interviewed him for UK TV Drama Pod for his work on a very peculiar practice, which he directed all. Oh. Which he directed all of. And um, oh. yes, and I talked briefly to him about Diana, and I thought I must watch that program because I love R.F. Delderfield, and so it proves. Um, I'm even reading a book by him at the moment, which I love, called which "The is? Dreaming Suburb," which is about a suburb um, to the east of London, set between 1919 and 1940, and it's just oh, just the most glorious character piece I've ever read, and I just love it. Oh, nice. Yes. So, oh, you see, I was thinking that must be him. Every time I see whatever you said that dude's name was, yeah, R.F. Delderfield, Kevin McNally. Oh, Kevin McNally, think, <laughs> not R.F. Delderfield. Yeah, sorry, no. I always just think Castor. Yeah, that's, I that's know. All I'm thinking straight because Lavilla poses him yes. to death, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Well, she does everyone. That doesn't really set him apart from any of the other cast. I think it's the yes. only husband she poisons to death. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, no. Uh, he's he will always be that. Plus the guy who got excited that you could get a rover for under under ten thousand dollars and ten thousand pounds in an advert in the late eighties. I don't know why that stuck with me so much. I was like, it's Castor, and he's buying a rover. It was, he but, was just he was just doing a really bad rover advert. And he's also in the Twin Dilemma, the Doctor Who story. He's like with Perry in that, and he wears a sort of silvery top. Does he? Yes. Poor man. He's called Hugo in that. They, Hugo. I always find when they want to make a good Shakespearean actor feel a little bit uncomfortable, they put him in silver in Doctor Who. They're always like, ha ha, we'll get yeah, you. Yeah, we'll get you. You think you're cool. something. You're a piece of <laughs> crap who we can use as we want. <laughs> in fact, that leads yeah. us neatly into Paradise Towers, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Here's your silver llama and carry on, Richard. <laughs> Here's your shit. <laughs> <coughs> so... But before we get there, as you can see, I have already wheeled out the time-space visualizer into the centre of the room because it is the, for it I is this see. segment of our show. Wow, that gets around the house, that thing. You're in a different room. I know. But the time-space visualizer comes with you wherever. It's because the cast- carpeting casters <laughs> have got carpet on them, as you well know. <laughs> it's a good job there's clearance between the ball of the caster. And the thing. Oh my god, casters are like the theme. Right? <laughs> no, it's, it's the caster episode. episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Wowza. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try and get in a caster sugar like joke later on. It's going to be amazing. Okay, honestly. we'll Very wait amazing. for that. What is this machine? I've already told you, my dear. It's a time and space visualizer. Do you mean a sort of. Time television. Yeah, it's like that. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Um, <laughs> so, shall I go first? Choosing the, the block from the chocolate block block. <laughs> so I have chosen <laughs> to put in the Time Space Visualizer this classic from September 
August, September, October in the charts all that time. And it's a song that I think is perfectly sums up how I felt about the start of the 1987 series of Doctor Who. Um, and the song is What Have I Done to Deserve This? <laughs> By Pet Shop Boys and Dusty Springfield. <laughs> I liked it. Yes, did. Did. Loved it. Um, and now, not too far away, probably only about 10 years out, no. which is quite close for me. Um, no, actually, may not be that much. Um, <laughs> let's imagine, shall we? Kylie Minogue. Are you imagining? <laughs> that was my imagining acting. Did you like it? <laughs> it was really good imagining acting. <laughs> really liked it. Um, imagine Kylie Minogue wearing big orange fluffy coat. And I'm trying. Bizarre, lurexy, leggingy, bright coloured 70s looking things. And we are in the world of Kylie Minogue Step Back in Time. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> beat a bit of Kylie can you no I know I feel like she seems like my favorite artist because I've had her twice now when I can have anyone from anywhere which is not good enough let's be honest <laughs> but she does bring you back to an area doesn't she she brings you back to a place she does a place and time very grounding yes. Yes. <laughs> now I've asked politely it's Christmas time 
And really, when it's Christmas, it should only really be invited guests. (laughs) (laughs) But she's here. A word from our sponsor. I suppose we should be grateful. (sighs) Find it hard. You're listening to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. Thank you, Lou. But if you could leave now, thank you. Here's your little carry case. <laughs> Why are you giving her a carry case? That's probably the only reason she comes, isn't she? Right. But more importantly, right. yes. I think it might be now time yes. for something else that per- perchance, perhaps, in that Shakespearean way, we say perhaps without the E, perhaps. Oh, do we? I think more importantly, we say mayhaps. Oh, mayhaps. It's time for a quiz! Quiz! Right! This is... This is the second episode of the year, and therefore I think we should go with the category of initially B. B, sweetie, B. Okay. Okay. Yes. What B is a living stone imp? Bok. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Don't even have to find the answer, which may take me a while, so I'm not going to. What bee wants to be president, eternal, and rule forever? Barusa. Yes, he does, sweetie. I like these so far. What bee is a sprightly... I know, it's quite nice, isn't it? A sprightly yellow roadster. Bessie. Aww. What bee can be Lance or Coquillian? Bennett. Oh, nice. I wouldn't have got that one. What bee? Oh, okay. We're straying into No! <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. I had a sort of like sinking feeling in my stomach that knew who would be coming and I'd fall from my pedestal of glory. Right. It's not the worst. What bee owns the DVD shop DVD? DVD. Where Larry, Knight- <laughs> where Larry Nightingale works. Um, is it the woman from Blink? Mrs. Blink. <laughs> oh yeah, that's her name. Is she? Yeah, she she, really she well with that. Beth, or Belinda, or Baruna? <laughs> Bess, Bessina, Elizabeth. <laughs> I should know her name, but I don't think I do. Um. Um. I don't think, and I don't think I should be giving you clues, we don't think it is her name. Oh, yeah, she's called Sally Sparrow. I've just remembered her name, but it's not her. It's someone else. I don't think it's anyone's name. Or no, it must be. What be? Who is it in... It's a funny name. Is it in Blink? Am I in the right ballpark? Well, it must be, because it's DVD and it's Larry Nightingale, so it must be. Okay. So what's the answer? Banto. Don't know. No? Yes? Good. Um, what B is a ring the doctor puts on Donna's finger? A big ring. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No. A beryllium ring? Mm. Um, a borrowed ring? <laughs> I know so much. Shall I give you the but answer? Because yeah. you're doing very badly. It's a bio damper, sweetie. Oh, yes. Obs. What B is Captain Rack's ship? Ooh. Buccaneer. Ooh, what's that from? Enlightenment. 
Oh, is it? Um, what B believes that that what is good for global chemicals is good for the world? Boss. Green Death. He's the computer that goes mad. He's brilliant. Ah, nice. Good. Did well. What B are desperate for grain? Small burrowing animals. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly (laughs) big... Big burrowing animals. Big burrowing animals. Big black burrowing animals. (laughs) Um. Um, I think you'll find it's bandrels. Bandrels, they want grain. I don't think they're the only people who ever want grain in Doctor Who. I know, I know, I don't think that's quite accurate. Right, hang on one moment, I'm going to let a small dog in because she's looking sad. Oh, just a random dog? Yeah. Hello, Dinkles. She's, um, she's just worked out how to use the dog door. She's pretty, pretty proud of herself. It's one of those that only work if you, if you're chipped. And she's not trusted it for a good couple of months. She said, no, no, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's like, oh, actually, I could use that. Right. Next one is. Yeah, the the bandrels, by the way, are in Time Lash. And they're sort of like cartoon-esque characters-ish. They feel like cartoons. They feel like they were from Captain Zep. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, I don't remember them at all. What be battles Sir Lancelot in the land of fiction? Ooh. Ooh. A fictional character beginning with B. Yes. Boat correcting turns. Um, I want to say Serrano de Bergerac, B for Bergerac, but it's wrong. <laughs> It is wrong, but I love it. I love that you really tried. Yeah. Do you want to try any more? Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, They're all right. in the surnames. <laughs> um, it was lovely. Binky? Binky the rabbit. <laughs> I know this. Right. It's annoying. I think it's only in a brief scene. A brief scene. The briefest of scenes. Don't know. Blackbeard. Ugh. If you say so. Okay, you're annoyed by that. Yeah. Okay. You shouldn't have given so much effort. No. Okay, well, that was your ten, but there is one more that I feel you're going to want. Okay. What B is the village where Vivian Fay lives? Boscowan. Yes. Ask, see, ask, that made you happy, ask didn't anyone it? in Boscowan. I am Vivian Fay of Rose Cottage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Glad to see that little look of happiness just light up your face there with a bit of Os Cowan. Well, you've got some right. You did very well. Good job. Good job. Yay me. Yes. So we are hurtling towards our story du jour. So I'm afraid it's time to play in some Paradise Towers. But it looks like a kang. There's something attacking us. Some sort of claw. Down here, there's a drill, and down here there's a nozzle, and sucking yes. things up. Well, the wall scrollers make up a lot of silly pictures. So they're just silly pictures. <laughs> What's that? I don't hear anything. Look, Sunbeam, if there was something wrong, there'd be instructions in here about how to deal with it, wouldn't there? Hmm? Oh, I see it. It's some sort of robotic cleaner. 
was also noticed by Colonel Scraping Blades. Another impressive workmanship. I don't understand. No, I don't mind. Now let's have a look at this alternate motive blade, shall we? Ah, yes. Look at this one. <laughs> <laughs> you usually do what I usually do in these circumstances. What's that? Run! <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid. Okay. It's very good, actually. Oh, gosh. Putting your stall out early, it's very good, actually. Paradise Towers. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that I might have overstepped. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I just refer you to what the script editor just said? Pardon, I just that was a horrible burp. <laughs> sense that it was a horrible burp. It was more just a quick look. So, in the uh, making of documentary, Andrew Cartmill, who commissioned it and edited it, he said, "There's a lot wrong with it." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. There's a lot wrong with it." This fifteen-year-old was ready to to cut up his Doctor Who card. <laughs> oh, so, oh, that's fury right Context, there. I wrote to points of view during Time and the Rani. <laughs> well, that was that was a well-placed angry letter for Time and the Rani. Oh, it's just take. like, why, number one, why have you cast Bonnie Langford? And, and now looking back, it's not her fault. It's because the character's crap. Also, I don't think she had enough acting experience then, but she's really good now in things she's in. And I know there's a lot of apologists for Mel, but I just think she's just shrill and over the top and over emotes and awful, awful all the time, whatever mm-hmm. the reasons are. But then also casting Sylvester McCoy and they didn't know what they had and he didn't know what to do. And in that first story, he just is plays the fool all the time. But... In Paradise Towers, he's actually more serious and he's starting to get to grips with the Doctor and that's really quite interesting. He wasn't bad yeah, at all. exactly. Anyway, before we... we yeah, t- stop dissecting. Before we Let's just go back to points of view. Tumble into Thanks. a Red Kang hideout or brain quarters. Yes. I think it's important <laughs> that we go to our, to our correspondent who sat on the sofa who's going to give us the synopsis of Paradise Towers. <laughs> Good luck, thank you, please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just you wait and see. Okay, so we're all excited. Mel's watching a video. It's Paradise Towers. It looks amazing. We're going to see a swimming pool. We all know Doctor Who and swimming pools go together like potatoes. Like a horse and carriage. Yes. And (laughs) they arrive. It's not as we were expecting. They built us up. They brought us right back down. Love a bit of that. (gasps) There's some Kangs. What's a Kang? No idea. But anyway, they wear red, they shout a lot. The Doctor and Mel get split up because one's not very good at running. We then see that there's some caretakers who aren't very good at taking care, but they care a lot about wall scrawl. That's all they really care about. And there's some other Kangs and there's some old people. I like that. I like that we've got factions. Factions work for me, happy. Old people end up helping out Mel. Helping? Well, we'll see. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> Chief caretaker and caretaker people. A bit stupid. I think they're supposed to be stupid. They follow rules, them types. And so then, story unfolds a bit. I like the story unfolding bits because they're good. Because you're like, oh, who lives here? So there's only girls that we call Kangs and old people who we called... Something else? Rezies. Rezies, yes. The in-betweens, they're all at war. Okay, odd. Why would you send 
all of you young girls who aren't old enough to yet have names who've named themselves <laughs> yeah, parts exactly. of the <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Oh, doesn't make sense. Them. You can sing that. Doesn't make sense. Song. Carry on. <laughs> anyway, no, get past that. It's all fine. Um, and then we start to hear that this has been designed by the grand, the great, great architect. The great architect. The great, Great architect, yes. He's done a few other ones of note. Miracle City. Miracle City for one. Yes, no less. Um, he does keep seeming to get commissioned after pretty horrific things. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, do your research, people. But I, I think that <laughs> fits. I know I'm interrupting your synopsis, but I think that fits with people, terrible architects, who keep getting hired to do more terrible buildings. So I think that actually works. <laughs> Maybe a b- okay. bit less death involved, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, we've got Pex. Pex, to me, is the most important character throughout the whole series. Now we'll talk about him a lot. Um, <laughs> Look forward to that, listeners. No, honestly, he, he, he was pivotal for me, but he it was all about his journey. Um, and I think that was the saving grace for this story. Anyway, we um, then we find out Great Architect is actually disembodied into the basement. Oh no! Gangs need to get together. You guys, just love each other. Just be kind. If you work together, you might get through this. <laughs> Kangs and resis and caretakers all do a bit of love together. And they, I don't know what they do actually. I think they all stand around while Pax throws someone down a chute. I don't know quite how helpful they were, but they, they were together while they were doing it. It was great. Um, so, Crow, 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 Croagnon? Yes. Is that what we're calling yes, him? Yes, we are. Croagnon. Croagnon was defeated. He made Richard Briars turn silver. Always good work to be done there. Um, all fine, and we can all live happily ever after in a very strange place with no one really knowing what they should be doing. The end! <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I know. I think there's a lot of meat in this. I think there's lots to be talking about. I do about. too. I, do. I was quite happy. Probably too much. But I just wanted to start by saying when I put the disc into the machine, the um, announcer said, Paradise Towers, <laughs> disc one, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> She was really like dejected. Are you sure you want to watch this? Because you know it's shit. <laughs> and I was really, I honestly was quite surprised. I was like, she knows. She knows how I feel. <laughs> She's got opinions. <laughs> I think she should keep them to herself. Does yes, she, she should be. She's and all he's been through. I don't think she understands. So, no. where do we start with this? We start with Bonnie. We start with Bonnie. Okay. She explodes onto our screen. Unfortunately. With a shrill... (laughs) But no, she... I wrote down... I I wrote down, who gets excited about a video holiday brochure? She is empty inside. That was my first note. (laughs) Nice. Well, while you were thinking that, I was thinking, oh my God, it's Anna. (laughs) What? Wow. (laughs) Because... She was wearing the thing that I get so excited about, our holiday in Cornwall. Yeah, no, da- Dor- no, no, Dorset, Dorset, sweetie. And she wore the blue polka dot Outfit. dress. I know. Yes, at Compton Acres with the bowed court shoes. Oh, my goodness. She did. How and a bow and a hair. It was, 
Yeah. 86. Yes, that was 86. She so she was yeah. a year early. Well, I suppose this would have been made it in 86. Was... So there, yeah. Yes, quite possibly. But it was just so of an era. It was beautiful. It was just an absolute joy. And I feel like I've done Dress for Success already with that. I don't know if we need to do one No, later. we do. But we it was just, do. we do, we do, we do, sweetie. But yeah, I just was very excited with her exploding in. And I was like, this is beautiful. This is everything as a child that I wanted to be. So yes, I knew you were very angry with Bonnie Langford. But in actual fact, it, it the... The stark beauty of her outfit, which it was at the time, um, with the kind of really bad background kind of dirtiness, was quite a beautifully visually happy for me. Right. Does that make any sense? No. no. I think stark no. beauty in that outfit. I can't see that that happening. Oh, <laughs> honestly, in the in the eighties, it was it was like everything that you were, like the cut of that that jacket. That oh, it was it was utterly stunning. It really was. Hmm. Yeah, I just couldn't get the past the fact that she was still in the show and I was just desperate for her to leave. And I mean, she's so badly written in this. She just over emotes at everything and she just gets excited about nothing. And it's just all the over theatrical sort of like, ah, uh, all the time. And I'm just like, honestly, you're killing this dead. You're killing this dead. Yeah, no, she, she is. And yeah, her acting throughout is awful. Like she does just absolutely ruin it that that's all i can give her is she was a nice what do you call it clothes horse that's it yeah but then i must admit even though you're annoyed with her as well for getting excited by a video i was loving that build-up i think that they i love when they set a scene and then take you somewhere else they were like showing the video all the beauty of it and all the how wonderful it would be and and i really like that you are kind of ending up in a really dodgy yeah place with rats and like I just I think that that was all quite nicely done I, I yeah I'm not against it I must admit you don't happen to know another planet with a swimming pool do you why don't I have to jettison the pool from the TARDIS well, it was leaking yeah. there is a rather spectacular swimming pool on the planet Griffiths I understand oh we could try there yeah, I just want a snag what's that it's for the exclusive use of the gold Marys who are they a rather nasty breed of flesh-eating octopi Personally, I'd rather stay here and explore. I wonder what happened. It's seen better days, that's what's happened. Still, now we're here, I suppose I might as well see what the pool's like. That's a spirit, Mel. This could be fascinating. Are you coming? Yes, but one thing, Doctor. If anything goes wrong and we get separated, we'll meet at the pool, all right? Oh, very well. There was one moment later on where I thought, oh, that wasn't bad acting, when she just dialed it down from 11 to about... Th for about to about seven and I was thinking this is how it could have been if she'd been directed properly yeah. and if she'd had confidence in just giving a, a more mellow performance that wasn't for the stage but I guess she was hired for her over the topness <clears throat> yeah she was hired to be Bonnie Langford yeah and that's why I was dismayed and upset yeah when I at the time because she wasn't hired to be a character that was had its own any kind of you know anything reality about them yeah no absolutely and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of American Doctor Who podcasts who talk about her and there's a lot of apologists for Mel saying oh she's really great and she's really over the top and she's really loves everything and all this stuff and it's like you did not suffer Bonnie Langford throughout your childhoods all the time up to this point to then find she goes into your favourite show and ruins it further she was quite and a joke and I think we've talked about this haven't we in, was it in Terror of the Vervoids or something so. but yeah. yeah she was just like she was in every kind of variety type show she was always there just popping up being 
body and just the hot kind of... the hot shoe show the hot shoe show oh okay but yeah and she was yeah awful but then let's say we've got the beauty of of Mel which you're not agreeing with but then the red kangs fall and uh, for me who was a I don't know how old was I seven year old or something like that seven year old kid yeah. Yeah. Seeing the Red Kangs, they were beautiful. Like, we've got Mel and we've got the Red Kangs. I'm like, yes, these are strong women, weird women, odd backstories, but these are strong women who are kind of, they've got their own little routines and things. And like, they were something that you'd want to be as a young girl. Like, I felt like they were, if they were trying to appeal to new audiences, they probably did quite well with me at the time in a way that they really didn't with you. How old were you at the time? I don't know. You what were... year was it, sweetie? 87. So you were nine. nine so it's yeah. perfect for you. Yeah. And I was just having... Obviously, plot was always a bit too confusing for me anyway. So it really was just <laughs> how bright are their costumes? <laughs> yeah. How bright are their costumes? And is there a swimming pool? Really, they ticked a lot of boxes right there. <laughs> so as far as you were concerned, they were high fabshin and ice hot. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. No, and I did. I liked a bit of that. I liked them bringing in this stupid language and, and obviously kind of bastardised words. Build high for happiness, Doctor. Oh, build high for happiness. What happened? He dropped down, Doctor. Whoosh! Into our brain quarters. Where is the girl who is not a kind? Oh, I wish I knew. Fire escape, bin liner. I never expected to see you again. <laughs> Still less than I expect to be glad to see you again. But I've got to go, there's much to be done. No way! No ball games, no fly posts, no outgoing. Why are you here, Doctor? It was an accident, I was being chased by two cleaners. Cleaners? Yes, I expect they've gone by now. Check for safe and sure on the talkie phone. Okay, so Kangs, is that just supposed to be gangs, or is there anything more that that was supposed to be? I think so. I think, I couldn't think of anything else, that's what I thought. Can we get, can we get into the Kangs in terms of, like, understanding? So everyone went off to war, but they were sent to Paradise Towers. I didn't realise until watching it this time that they were all sent to Paradise Towers, yeah. the Rezies and the Kings. So this can only, yeah, time-wise, are we thinking they would, they've been there for about 20 years? Is that what we're thinking? I think it must be, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. No. But are they all equally mentally ill, the Kangs? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Are <laughs> well, they? I tell you the big mystery here is, right... You send a lot of old people there, and they can't have been that old because they're still alive 20 years later. So I'm saying 50s, 60s, they were there. And then you send a lot of babies and toddlers there, yeah? Yeah. Why the fuck do these old people not step the fuck up and look after the kids? (laughs) I know! They're just like, no, I'm having my retirement. I am not looking after any kids. I just want to do my knitting. I know. Leave them it's so bizarre. <laughs> it's so strange. And, and I felt that Judy Cornwell was too young as well to be one of those. Yes. Yeah. And I. Because yeah. she was sort of like. She would have been mid fifty. So quite... I was thinking she would have been thirty-five or something yeah. at the time of the war starting. I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. And was it all incredibly sexist that it was all women because the men would have gone to oh. war and the women? All of them, yeah. regardless of age, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But maybe they just picked off the old old men residents earlier. Maybe let's think of it happily like that. But I'm not usually angry yes. when the cast is mainly women. But it just, yeah, it did seem a little bit sexist that they just. Too weak, but yes, there was the whole 
masculinity thing. That that's the theme for this fucking episode. Oh my goodness, roast furious. Anyway, I'll get there later. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I was really confused. Like, how did they get their names of like Bin Liner and Fire Escape and Edda? Surely one of them was called Ella at some point. Like yes, <laughs> and and Lizzie, and they were just like yes. they wouldn't. That's something you hold on to, is your name. That's something you know. Yes. And it's really important or to Or at you. least the fucking old people close by say, your name's Ella. <laughs> Not <look at> that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just weird they were left to fend for themselves. So, what was the plan? Like, when they first sent them there, and they're like, oh, we're all off to war. See ya. Like, oh, yeah. You just, you know, see how you go. Just, you know. Because that doesn't make sense either, because the mothers would be with them. Because the mother's was, I'm not leaving my young child or my baby. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Really. You don't have to think it through very much (laughs) to work that out. It really pissed me off. I was like, well, that doesn't work. No. I know you need factions for the dramatic point of the story, but looking into these factions and how they get to be there, it doesn't make sense. And the boys. Like, were we sending, you know, three-year-old boys to war? Were we? Were we? Did they go elsewhere? Well, on the um, on the interview, the making of thing, um, the guy who wrote it, Stephen Wyatt, said he only said the one thing that he said didn't make sense to him when it was actually cast and everything was he'd imagined the caretakers to be old and fat, um, so so that it made sense that they'd been there for a while, but a lot of them were cast too young, and he felt that was wrong. So there was an element of that. So maybe it was the older people were meant to, the older men became caretakers rather than resis. Oh, right. And maybe they were married just to the resis. That. Yes. Yes. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's a definite sort of, um, what's it called? Betty Davis and Joan Crawford thing. Um, whatever happened to Baby Jane sort of situation with Tabby and Tilda. It's all sort of kind of heightened camp sort of faded Hollywood stars feel. Yes, they, I mean, they weren't trying to kill each other or anything. <laughs> no, 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 that's different. No. I that's... quite like oh, Yes, that's interesting. It's definitely lesbian overtones, wasn't it? Definitely. Um, well, I didn't feel that, but then I guess you could get that from them. I, I just, I liked their closeness. I enjoyed their closeness and I enjoyed hmm. their interactions. I don't know if I felt a lesbian side to it but then I guess they wouldn't have been very overt with it but yeah I just yeah I thought they were maybe it was just that it was camp maybe it's just that it was camp yeah actually yeah yeah no, but yeah I, did, I thought they were lovely um in a way that I think I'd hated them originally of course in the old days things were very different weren't they Tabby oh very different too the... so what <laughs> happened well, my memory is not what it was, but um, one thing followed another. And before we knew where we were, we were in the pickle well today. <laughs> now everybody has to fend for themselves, take what they can find. Uh, have another cake, okay. Mel, dear. Go on. <laughs> All right, then. Mm. So, so you were here from the beginning, then? Oh, yes, dear, yes. Ever since the great architect finished Paradise Towers and all the youngsters and all the oldsters were moved here. And the rest? The in-betweens? Oh, well, I don't quite recall, but I think they had something else to do. A war to fight or something, or all such a long time ago. I often wonder whether we won that war or not. I don't suppose we'll ever know now, Tabby. No, I don't suppose we will, Tilda. Do you know anything about a swimming pool? Oh, and then as soon as you start seeing 
a painfully slow robot going down a corridor. You're like, oh my <laughs> fucking Christ. Like, that really typified Colin and Sylvester time, didn't it? Like, they were always slow, like, deliberately having to run into a robot in order to get ensnared by it. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just ludicrous. Like, there's just no part of it where you could feel fear. Because, like... You were... I was trying to think that if if the cleaner actually took up the whole corridor, oh. that would be cool. So you, so you couldn't, couldn't actually get, get past, past it. Yeah. But even that. Like And it, if the if the things went like was a thing round or the claws came round I'm doing a big action for people who can't see. <laughs> I can't even see. Listeners. But I believe you. That <laughs> <laughs> went sort of like grabby arms that went round to the side. Yes, and not just like straightforward like that. Straight ahead. Because you have to literally, as you say, put your neck in it. Yeah. And go, ah. But didn't yeah. wasn't that, like I'm sure we watched a Perry and something one quite recently that had virtually the same. Vengeance on Varos. Vengeance on Varos. They all. went around on those machines yeah. and stuff. Just shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you really <laughs> Say just, what you have feel. to be stupid to get caught by one. Like the only people who could die with one of those are really people who deserve to die, aren't they? Like there's no. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not right. Yeah. Oh, we always have a link between episodes. Okay. Our last episode, Tomb of the Cybermen. What was the link? The link was, right, so the Tomb of the Cybermen was on... <laughs> the Tomb of the Cybermen had... You're not going to get this. No, I know. <laughs> I'm going to make my own one. Um, Jamie tried to have it off with Kaftan. <laughs> Pax tried to ha- have it off with a red and a blue can. Pax. Pax, sorry. Keep saying... P- sorry. <laughs> Um, no. Okay. Simply, the actor who played Jim Callum in Tomb is the deputy oh, caretaker. Oh, I knew that one this. as well, because I'd seen him on both. Yes, I did know uh, that. Yes, he was. Sweetie. But it's weird how there's always a connection. I always get surprised by that. We can find one wherever. Yes. I like the No Visitors, No Ball Games, No Fly Posts stuff. I think that was all quite nice. I like that rulesy type thing, because I think you would live by those kind of silly mantras if you don't have... Much else to follow by, and I would I would have loved that if it had the resonance of believing in the backstory and believing that they were abandoned there in a way that made sense. Mm, then yes. I would like it. But you can't get on board because it just they. It would have to be a generation. Yeah, it would have to be a generational thing whereby yes. they were brought up by other people previously. And yes, who had already lost their their knowledge of the world. Yeah, yeah. never transported there. Yeah. Yeah, agree. No, exactly. But that, that really did kind of hit home. Like that whole kind of no no ball games, no fly posters is, is actually starting to come become my reality. I don't think I... Did I tell you that in the last episode? I can't no. remember. That, yeah, two days into arrival here that we were um, told off for not having a, a painted fence. I'm <laughs> told that you will not be allowed wow. to, to stay in Mildale with an unpainted fence. You need to remedy this immediately or you will be asked to Gosh. leave. So, yeah, I've had to paint the fence within days of arriving. So, yes, it, those kind of rules will now become my life. Like, you can't put washing in your own garden. <laughs> That's how it's really? Been. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. Yes. It's a very beautiful neighbourhood. Yeah. I've got a note about... Um about when Mel first goes to see the Rezies. And I put, the bit with the Rezies is like a bad generation game sketch and Mel behaves as if she's a contestant. Yeah. You know when they used to do those little plays at the end? Oh, I just thought it was just awful. Um, um, I, 
I, I must admit I liked it when when they first, she first called her in and then I can't remember who it is I think Tabby's there saying is she coming <laughs> is she fat and I just I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited I like I just because it kind of obviously knowing what they were actually wanting in that yeah. it's just kind of quite nice kind of Oh, I don't know. They're, they're quite good actresses. I mean, like Elizabeth Spriggs is, is pretty good, I think. Like, yes, yeah. she did it over the top, and but I just... Brenda Bruce. Yeah. She was great yeah. when she turned towards the end. She was oh, really yeah. quite scary. But yeah, I did yeah. think it wasn't okay to have Richard Briers be nasty. Like, I just don't think that's all right. Like, everyone... We'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get back onto Briers later. Will we? Well, have we ju- I've just been yeah. introduced to him. He's just arrived well, on just scene. Want... I just wanted to say about Elizabeth Spriggs, about... At the time, she was in Simon and the Witch I on remember. Children's BBC. <laughs> well. So it was kind of like, that was kind of like, oh, God, this is just becoming such a All kid so show. All so pantomime and silly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, drag guests at this time of the morning. Are you ready? No. What's that? Worms. Mice is nicer, but George is too bone idle to catch any. Do you want some? Oh, well, I've got plenty of cabbage. Do you want some of that? I was thinking... Oh, it's a pity, cos I don't know what I'm gonna do with it all. I was thinking about you going to school. Oh, yeah. I was thinking... You do too much thinking. It's bad for you. But, I mean, that was that was a fun show for kids. I mean, I was too old for it at that point. It was perfect for you. <laughs> I love how you see you were too old for it. You were watching, like, Thundercats when you were 18. <laughs> yeah, you were way I too old for it. <laughs> I, hate, I hated Thundercats. Uh, yeah. I watched other cartoons. You loved Lionel. <laughs> other cartoons. <laughs> Lionel. Lionel. I, was, I know, that's why I called him Lionel. Lionel. I loved it. I called him Lionel. It made me so happy. <laughs> So, um, anyway, all right, you want to talk about Richard Bryan? No, Bryce, I don't. Do not anymore, thank you. Um, so, when, so the reason they don't eat the Kangs is purely because the Kangs have become wise to them. Is that the, the story there? Yes, I guess so. The Kangs know that they're dangerous. So some how, of them are dangerous, but it's not all of them, is it? Because some of the Resis are not cannibals. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. Because... Because Judy Cornwall later on says, oh, some of us have been terrible, you know. Some of us have done things we regret, but not all of us did. Right. But, and was that just because they got sick of the taste of biscuits? Because, like, they seem like they're not well, wanting Well, this is what food. I don't understand. Yes, that's what I've written down. It's like, where do they get all their ingredients from? Because they've got fresh cream and chocolate chips and cookie dough yeah. from stuff. It's like, how does that work? Yeah. Again, that didn't make sense to me. That's spoiled no. the illusion for me. Yeah, you wouldn't You'd become turn cannibals cannib- if you yeah. were starving. Yes, you had no other option, but not because yeah. you were just a little bit sick of your cookies that you were managing yeah. to get ingredients for quite easily. And but how la- did you get later the ingredients on, I- if you can't fucking work a vending machine as well? <laughs> I know, exactly. There's a food store that you see in the Kang's brain quarters. Ooh. I noticed at one point. I was like, well, thank God that's been put in there. There's a sort of like food area. Right. But I was really annoyed about it. I was like, well, where's the market? On You'd have to have a cow on this planet to get cream, unless it's fake. I know, it was it was squirty cream, so I don't think there's any real dairy product that goes anywhere near that, does it? What is <laughs> Probably not. I love how we're getting into the detail. <laughs> I think squirty cream is at the core of this. Yes. But yeah, so... Can, I just, say about, can I just say about Pex? Like, he wasn't big and strong and like... And why the fuck should he be? Like, honestly, that whole, the whole Pex thing is just like, 
trying to make him into something he's not. So what did he do? What's so wrong with what he did? He stowed away Terrible. the ship because he didn't want to yeah. die. Fair enough. Yeah. You were probably about, or fight. Yeah, ten or, or five or less. And so, absolutely reasonable. He then is taunted every fucking day by what do they call him? Scaredy cat, scared or whatever they call him. Cowardy cutlet, scaredy yeah. cat, all of those. Yeah. And if he, they're saying that, they're making him realise or making him feel like he's not good enough. So of course he's going to do all this shit where he's playing with his guns and showing off stuff because yeah. that's all he's supposed to do. His only value is if he is strong and he shows that he's not scared because being scared means you're not good enough. And, like, honestly... And you're not a man. Yeah. It was yeah. just that whole toxic view of masculinity was throughout and they just made it seem like that. And even the Doctor and Mel completely kept that going. Like, Mel yes. was disgusted with him for... Oh, is she that was. It was. I was so angry, yeah. It was yeah. so... It really, the, the pressure put on him to be, like, something that... Like, the girls, no expectation. Like, really, it was insane. Like, yeah, you don't need to do anything. But he has to do something that he's so clearly not cut out for. And so I honestly hold every single person in this story responsible for his death. My name's Mel. I'm a visitor here. You know him? I'm protecting her. <laughs> Do you know anything about this person? Oh, Kang's know the muscle brain. He's a scaredy cat. When the in-between sent us all here in the ship, us and the Ulsters, the muscle brain hid away and came with us because he didn't want to fight in the war along with the other in-between. Who told you that? Everyone knows that. The Ulsters call out after him in the corridors. The muscle brain's a scaredy cat. Scaredy cat, scaredy cat, scaredy cat. What? Is this true? Is this true? I've made up for it since I was here. Since I've been in Paradise Towers, I've been brave, a hero, a fighting... Sent by powers that you weren't allowed to name. I should have guessed. And the Kangs, when they're fucking at the end, saying, oh, he was such a brave and bold man. No, what he was, was a scared man who was forced to do something. He didn't, because you made him feel like utter shit, and he died for no fucking reason. And you're all saying, wasn't he a good man? But you fucking taunted him his entire life. I was yeah. beyond disgusted by I, that. I agree completely. And... I hate, I've written down, I hated the fact that he had to die to be redeemed. That's the only way in and, these stories that a man would ever be okay with being not brave or a little bit scared. Yeah. That's the only redemption yeah. you've got. You couldn't possibly yeah. be, oh, okay, actually, it's all right that you're a human being. It really is. It, yeah. The only way you can get to the, the, the end of this story is you have to be brave and strong and die. It's a terrible message. Mm. Terrible message. And... And one that you'd hope, given this is Doctor Who, and there's quite a lot of weedy young guys watching this, yeah. <laughs> who are outsiders and don't fit in f for whatever reason, size or sexuality or whatever it is, and they're being told through this narrative that it's it's not okay and you should be strong and yeah. brave all the time you and you should go feel. to war and get yourself killed. Yeah, and don't be don't be honest about your feelings. Don't be honest yeah. that you feel scared yeah. and afraid. Hide that. Pretend you're a big man. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. 
Yeah, no, it was terrible. It was really inappropriate of Doctor Who to. And I think send it's even worse because the writer is a gay man, Stephen Wyatt. Really? So I think it's even yeah. So I think it's even worse. Do you think there was any part of him trying to act out his experiences and try and kind of fight against Possibly. what he had been through? Because it seemed like he. Because if you hate yourself for feeling and doing certain things, you might. I guess yeah. write that as a it's a bad thing. I, yeah. I've been told that's bad behaviour, and so I know, and I'm going to reiterate that story. Yeah, I think he saw him more as a more as a comedy character, but it's not funny. <laughs> it's just really depressing and bad and yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is, and he he's trying all the time. Like he's he's actively doing something. He's there trying to be part of things. He's just he's not a naturally big, strong, brave guy. Fine, carry on. Like that's that's okay. You, that's not your only work yeah. as a human being. That's absolutely fine. But no, it's clearly not. It's yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was a letdown of Doctor Who to to perpetuate something that they're usually quite good at not doing. Like yeah, okay, they're not great with women characters. They often slip into the sexism of the time. But this, they really pushed a message too strongly. Like I felt like the yeah. whole conscientious objector thing like giving someone a white feather would have been like perfectly all right in their books it's like yep yep you know make someone feel shit for not going to war bastards yeah 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 not okay it's terrible message terrible message yeah yeah and also i think there's also not enough light and shade amongst the kangs in that all the kangs were sort of like warlike and aggressive Yes. And it's like, surely there would be some bookish ones, but would they all have been killed or would they be all in the Yellow Kangs gang? Yeah. Was it only the Yellow? Was there another gang that died beforehand? Like, I'm hoping there was like a a Puce Kang. (laughs) Really (laughs) hoping. Puce. Chartreuse. (laughs) Chartreuse Kang is my favourite. I think Brown Kangs. The Brown (laughs) Kangs were the the bookworms. (laughs) They had no chance, did they? (laughs) poor things Uh, did you notice Mel's toe as she stepped through the door and did you want to snap it off no I didn't notice it did she do this massive foot first (laughs) she just kind of flung her toe out with like a massive pointy toe as she went through the door that Pex had just broken you're like fuck off just go through a door normally, you stupid bitch. Like, it really is. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. So, so I think... Well, carry, carry on. on. Okay, now I've got a big question, I think. Why are yeah. the cleaners attacking everyone? Because Richard Briers... <laughs> not actually Richard Briers, but whatever he's called, <laughs> the chief caretaker, is feeding people to Croagnon. But he doesn't eat them. No, he's seeing if their bodies are suitable for his for him, for his brain. Okay, so what makes someone suitable? As soon as he was explaining like he needed someone suitable, someone who was worthy kind of thing of him, you're like, okay, so you want like a thinker, you want someone No, he just wants Richard Bryce. The Bryer, doctor's the just... obvious choice. Yeah. The doctor's the obvious he's choice. Like, yeah. Because Richard Bryce is just one sense. of the herd. And also what is this backstory with Richard Briers and Croagnon where he's like really kind of got a relationship with him? Like what's been going yeah. on behind the scenes where he's like, oh, yes, my wonderful little boy or whatever. Daddy's little pet. Yeah, like yeah, all that. what's been going on? What 
did Craigdon manage to do to kind of foster that relationship with Richard Bryars? It's it's ever so odd. I think he licked Richard Bryars up the legs. And he's disembodied. <laughs> he had to do that virtually. It's not likely. Uh, look, I don't understand what the matter is, my beauty. I've always made sure you... You've had lots of tender little morsels to make you big and strong. So why are you giving my cleaners orders that aren't my orders and clean people I didn't tell you to kill? Because the bodies the cleaners brought were not right. Not right? What for? For me to live in. To live in? I don't understand my pain. But the thing is, it doesn't really make sense because... Well, one of the reasons it doesn't make sense is because Stephen Wyatt says, I was commissioned for Paradise Towers and I wrote the first episode... And I didn't know what was going to happen next. So I wrote the first episode not knowing. So episodes two, three and four, he made up as he went along, he basically said. And it shows. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so upsetting. (laughs) It is upsetting, isn't it? How did they do that kind of shit? It's just the amount of people (laughs) in the world who would have been so keen to just create a good story. They're like, oh, just make up as you go along. Wow. Yes. Okay, so we don't really know why. They, so the cleaners were attacking everyone purely so he could find a body. But, like, so there were people... St- like, once you've, got the, once you've gone through one Kang, two Kangs, three Kangs, I think you're probably pretty sure that the next 50 yeah. Kangs are not going to be suitable. Like, what is it you're after? Like, sure. Yeah, and why would an old man be the most suitable thing? Like, surely a young body would have been way more sensible. Like... What were you after? They should have. I mean, it would have been a really nice plot, would have been <coughs> that he's suddenly stepping up Kragnon because he realizes the doctor's arrived. He realizes there's a great intelligence arrived on the planet at the towers and he, he's trying to find the doctor. So the cleaner is trying, to, the cleaners are just grabbing everyone at this point. Mm. So he might get this really intelligent person because he doesn't know what he looks like. Maybe something like yes, that would be a good. That would have been nicer. And also, I just feel like. The disappearances would have made more sense if they were in part related to the weird fucking cannibal people. Like, but they kind of, they were like, that was fine. The disappearances for them, like everyone was okay with them, if you know what I mean. But all the disappearances were relating to the cleaners doing weird stuff. And I just also had a lovely image of the props department just making lots of legs. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yes, Red cat leg, did. blue cat leg, lady with the slipper leg. It was just really cute. There'll be a basket at the side saying legs and ready for the props. Yeah. Something that I thought and then I heard it on the um, making of was why was the rule book so small? The rule book should have been huge. Yes, because there's so many very specific rules. It would be ludicrous. It should have been like a phone directory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, and that would have just been the case of a prop. But yeah, just not. But there, there's, there's another link with Tomb of the Cybermen, though. When the doctor gets out that tiny little encyclopedia and he finds Cybermat in it really, really quickly, it's a tiny little thin book, so it's very similar. Yes. Yes. Um, I did. Were you angry about um, the doctor escaping from the guards, or were you just like, ah, oh, well, it's just more theatrical shit? I didn't think it was clever enough. No, it was just really like, oh, just basic like just do something that makes you go wow the doctor is so clever yeah he should have talked them through out of it in a better way that made him escape in a cleverer way than that i also felt bored when they were sat there they were sat there bored and i felt bored and i was like i feel like i'm in i feel like i'm in a waiting room there was a quite a few moments like that 
And I'm like, what? Yeah, you shouldn't be bored waiting for stuff to happen while they're bored waiting no. for stuff to happen. <laughs> like, no, exactly. I think that happens in the Happiness Patrol again later. Yeah, yeah. The two have always been <laughs> conflated in my head. I've never managed to really pull those yeah. apart. So the word yeah. proagnon, is it supposed to be an anagram for something? I felt like it was, should have been, but then I couldn't work Oh, did you out. not get it? Do you not get it? Uh, Ragnarok, is it? Or... <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I made you feel bad for a minute. <laughs> no, you're not nice. I think you might. I think you might be right, Ragnarok. Well, it just there's not enough R's. Oh. They just felt odd. No, I don't know. No, but it would have been nice. Um, Can yeah. I ask a question? No. Oh, my question is: When the Doctor keeps saying to the Kangs that. The cleaners make Kangs unalive. Why won't they talk to him about it? They keep turning around and closing their mouths and saying, no, we won't talk about that. Um, Because kids don't know how to talk about death unless you explain to them how to talk about it. It's too big a concept. And they're basically just kids oh. that aren't yet developed, really. So they it's just, that would be a normal thing for a child to do it would just be like oh okay bad things happen i'm just going to avoid that conversation i love when you ask me a question and i feel like i can answer it sensibly yes brought me back that was quite cute oh yes the phys aid yes yes um but but would they really not have investigated that and worked out what phys aid is honestly even if even if they just smashed it with a fucking big that's the whole point they'd kind of gone a bit lord of the flies because they didn't really get what's going on so break shit they would have broken shit they would have found some fucking stuff in there they would have tried all the coins like they wouldn't have just ignored coins if they had a slot for coins so Yeah. yeah didn't make too much sense no I got really bored as well whenever they read out the caretaker number 343 three, subsection 6. All of that stuff. Someone's I'm like, dead. shut up. Yeah, good. And it annoyed me that people were called subsections as well. That didn't make sense. Uh, yeah. Spaces you can call subsections, but you can't call people subsection. Yeah, annoyed I agree. Me. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm happy good. with your summary. Um, yes. And I, I loved him. Um, I felt like this was badly um, directed in piece where Mel ends up back with um, Tilly and Tabby. And then uh, I think Tilly walks up with... Tilda. Ma- Tilda. But she calls her Tilly every now and again. Tabby does. No. Oh, does she? Yeah. Um, she walks up with her right next to her and says, you'll never guess who's arrived for tea. She's <laughs> just there. Of course we'll <laughs> You only say that when you can't see the person. It's just... But that's... But that's the pantomime aesthetic, isn't it? Yeah. It is pantomime. Yes. Things are said in front of characters on stage yes. that they shouldn't, they should hear. Yeah. And it is such, it's a heightened pantomime, isn't it? It's yeah. a grotesque pantomime <laughs> and it's just deliberately that. But exactly, it's stupid. Yes. Rather silly. Um, did you yes. find that the doctor's terminology was quite unlikely? Because at one point he says, 
the chief caretaker's off his head. And I was like, I say someone's off their head. Sylvester McCoy should not be saying that as the doctor. That's not no, okay. it's wrong. No, my terminology. Let's just say he was still finding his character. Yes, um, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> I would say that. Babs wouldn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> um... What really annoys me when Mel's attacked, seeing as we're at that point, and she's got, and she's, um, she shouts, "There's something wrong with the waste disposal unit," and that line of dialogue was just so annoyed to me, because it's like, number one, it doesn't look like a waste disposal unit, <laughs> and number two, why would you shout that? I was just like, it was above the sink. It was some panels, but it was like a splashback. The the, if the she, triangly it, thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if she'd called out, there's something wrong with your triangular splashback, that would also be weird. <laughs> but that would but it would be more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you try and fit Elizabeth Spriggs through the very small <laughs> splashback area, then you've got another problem. <laughs> it's a big, big problem. <laughs> there's something wrong with the waste disposal unit. No, don't talk nonsense, dear. It always makes that funny noise. Uh, something's coming up in it. Don't be silly, dear. Oh, we better make sure, Tabby. Oh, oh, very well, dear. No, no, I can't see anything. to a nursery rhyme thing there. <laughs> it's brilliant <laughs> um, but yeah like I get why the second time not letting her go sensible why did you the first time like were you just you know bringing up the courage or what it was just bizarre like, I don't know not sensible oh did you notice the bit when this actually this is my favourite Sylvester scene okay where he says build high for happiness but he says it in a piss takey way and he does like shit with his hands just like because he's kind of he knows it's full of shit, but he's saying when he's saying goodbye to the Kangs, he's like, build high for happiness. And he just kind of <laughs> makes this thing like, this is full of shit. But he's just like, I really enjoyed it. You've got to watch that again if you didn't catch it, because he, you could tell with his oh, mouth and his face, he was not meaning to. it. He was just like, this is full of shit, but I'm saying it to make you guys happy. And it was, yeah, it was quite a nice little scene. I'm the reason why the caretakers are here now. Go on, make your escape. Oh, true. Now, can I get to my favourite part of the story, the thing I actually really liked? Because it's the only thing I liked, really. And that was this narrative, this idea that architects think that people ruin the buildings they they create. And I thought that was so true. Yes, honestly. Yeah. I just thought it was brilliant concept to bring that in and and this architect has gone so mad about it that he starts killing the people who lives in his building yeah that's just that is the concept yeah that should have been front and, and center strong. more it is very strong yes yeah 
Yeah, and no, it's so, so real and so true. And like, even when Richard Bryce is saying like, oh, well, that, that door knob shouldn't have do that. If humans hadn't touched it, then it wouldn't have done that kind of thing. And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like things do break. You need to make things appropriate for use, not for, yeah, no, it really, it was. Yes. You can imagine that being a very real experience. And I really hope that whoever wrote that kind of basic idea which where hopefully I think some of this must have come from must have lived in a building that was completely inappropriate for use as I think a lot of us have done and yeah had it demonstrated to them that an architect really does find you to be a scourge on society and you should all stay away from their lovely buildings yeah I mean there's a lot of fans and even the writer of course himself and the script editor have said about how a lot of the story was based on jg ballard's high rise have you seen the film no or read the book no so it's all about basically tower block living and how bad it is and this book everything takes a horrible turn and people kill each other and stuff like that yeah wow so that's what it's that's what it's directly based on but i'm less interested in that and more interested in this idea about the architect and the vision being spoiled yeah i think that's much more interesting yeah absolutely and yeah things just not being fit for purpose not being something that people live happily in like the whole point of an architect should be to build things with the view of it being wonderfully joyfully livable in but the fact that a yeah. human isn't at the center of of that vision it's it it's for the the purpose of making beautiful buildings, not for the purpose of mm. making people within those buildings beautifully happy. Um, yeah, no. I exactly. Think. That was beautifully put. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Can we talk about how horrendous that swimming pool is? How gross <laughs> it is? Oh, my God. Oh, how pretty it is. I'm like, oh, my God. That concrete needs a really good scrub. It's not nice. <laughs> so manky and a little silver curtain in the background and a little white trolley like oh that's awful oh, no. i thought honestly this reminds me of the sort of hotels that mum and john would go to in torquay and they'd pay for a subscription to go to a pool at the side yeah it would just be like a horrendous yeah it's just a like a cheap low rent hotel yeah. but do you know i feel like there must have been one of the production team's house or something like a particularly well no it wasn't well it was it was actually a millionaire's mansion it's actually a millionaire's pool, can you believe? I know. Oh, my God. Because it was awful, wasn't it? It was awful, really bad. <laughs> and also, like, the fact that everything in that, like, they try and get across the fact that everything is dilapidated over the course of 20 years. Yeah, that bright yellow umbrella, that shit, <laughs> that was made of asbestos. That's not going anywhere. <laughs> that umbrella was the most, the most... Um, yeah, impressively staying there, fucking part of the architecture. It was like, yeah, yellow umbrellas, they they stay in. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, episode three. Basically, I think you you could rewrite it as Pex and Mel waste time in a lift. <laughs> well, some festivals <laughs> oh, watching that, TV. That went on forever. <laughs> that went on forever, really and I was like, I, I thought this should be a three parter. When you've got things like. Ghostlight is only three parts later on. You think some stories in the McCoy era need to be much longer, and this one definitely needs to be shorter. This was that uh, is a Karen. really accurate summary of episode three there from you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we often say that, don't we? Like, oh wow, something actually happened in episode three because often it doesn't. But yeah, it yeah. really was just awful. And like, yeah, with the Doctor watching TV, and it was just yeah, it was awful. But then that that the. the <laughs> I've written, but it doesn't really get it across, was just how badly overacted that, well done, Pex! 
it was just awful when uh, finally he awful. kicked it just the right way. It was, and I was just shut up, like he's just like ah, oh, <laughs> no, stop talking awful. now. It was just terrible. Really, yeah. Even if he was proud of himself, I would have been upset with how badly overacted that was. Like it would have made me I feel think, shit. I do think the people who have podcasted about Paradise Towers and I've heard talk about it when they say that Mel's really good, they're lying. I'm sorry, they're just lying or they're insane. One of the two. But she's just appalling. Hang on. I think I found something. Uh, controls are really stiff, though. Yeah. Let me. Well done, Pex! Except we seem to be going down. One thing that I really want to, I do want to get clarity on is, I agree, the Blue Kangs won. Like, I don't feel like we should just move past that and just unite. I think, before we get there, I think, actually, let's be honest, if your whole life has just been playing this stupid fucking game, it's really important yeah. that we work out who won. And the Blue Kangs were the ones that won. So let's just say that a little bit more loudly. Blue Kangs won. <laughs> I'm a red kang, just saying. I'm in love with the red kangs. I want to be in their gang. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I think the blue kangs were yeah. given their dues. Good, good. Um, right, so we've got to get into it now. Mm. Please and explain to me, if you can answer this question, then it's the best question you've ever answered correctly okay, on this good, podcast, good, 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 or at least confidently, or at least believably. Why did they bury Kragnon in the basement <laughs> of Paradise Towers? So, like, if you've got the power to remove someone's mind from their body, <laughs> like, I can put a disembodied fucking head in a basement, um, but I'm just going to leave it there. And I'm going to send my kids there as well. Not, not only am I going to put, like, a madman in a basement, I'm going to send my kids there without any parents and some really selfish old people. I don't know. <laughs> I really... I'm sorry, I can't answer it. But the people who thought that was a good choice were not people I think should be up for... <laughs> actually, that's what it made me think of. I was just like... Actually, if... If you put Mum and John in <laughs> into Paradise Towers and ask them to look after some kids, I think by like week two they'd be calling themselves Bin Liner and fucking fire escape <laughs> and shooting each other. They would not be parented in any way. Like it would just in fact. <laughs> yeah. Transpire this to that situation, I would probably be called um I don't know. Corridor or something, yes. <laughs> Sorry, carriage door, wasn't it? Like, yes, that, exactly. annoyed, that annoyed me. Yeah, um, no, it doesn't make sense. But God, yeah, if you're going to do something mad like that, don't send your kids there. Like, it's a weird thing no. to do in the first place, but send your kids it to is. that different place. Uh, and can I just say, I'm just as impressed that Kragnan's able to fashion some neon eyes as I am about his brain transplant situation. Yeah, the neon eyes were... They, yeah, they really did lend an extra air of this is really fake Panto. to it didn't they yeah it was just <laughs> really awful like you just couldn't when he was like oh my little pet and you're like yeah you know you never feel like a little thing with neon lights is your pet like it just it just takes you away from any kind of cozy feelings so yeah no not good enough but i thought there was a good bit of getting past old furies when when all of the Kangs and everything got together, but like I just, I'd struggle. I'd be like, yeah, I can, I can get together with me Kang mates. I could possibly yeah. trust me caretakers. 
I am not trusting the people who quite blatantly used to try and eat my mates. <laughs> that's the end. That's that's my limit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not sorry. people I'm trusting. Call me old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a stick in the mud. <laughs> but the people who ate my friends, not going to team up with them. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they were forgiven quite quickly, I felt, the resis. They, yeah. 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 Oh, I loved, and also, it was so funny, when Mel would not give up on the fact that the pool, she said, was so beautiful. And after she had the the um, fight with the stupid yellow robot that looks like a novelty bin in a kid's playground, <laughs> she, she, she says, such a beautiful pool filled with mechanical killers. <laughs> it's not filled with mechanical killers, it's... Got one tiny little yellow plastic bot in it. And also, why the fuck did you shoot it? If you can walk out of the pool, get a gun, turn around, maybe just carry on walking, because that thing's not getting out. Just leave it. It's quite happy. Like, you just... It can barely bob. It barely bobs. <laughs> I was thinking the only happy person at Paradise Towers might have been that robot if they just left him alone. I know, he's quite happy in the pool. Well, I did warn you. Yes. I, I really struggled with them all getting together in the pool area about how they were going to help each other because it felt so amateur dramatic. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. Yes, let's. Let's do yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. There's loads of ad-libbing. There was yeah. so much ad-libbing. It was like Glendale Calls Choral Society. It totally was. It was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Rub up, rub up. <laughs> no, really struggled with that. Emergency supply of what? Explosives. Ice hot! With explosives on our guns, we can blow the cleaners no problem! Send the cleaners to the cleaners! Yes! <laughs> Most of the resis make tablecloths. We could throw them over the cleaners to slow them down for you to shoot! <laughs> Ice hot, Nanny! How do you feel about Richard Breyer's voice when he gets taken over? Because there's loads of people who say that it was terrible. And I think it wasn't as good as his Martin Bryce voice from Ever Decreasing Circles, which he used earlier. But what do you think? Could you cope? I couldn't. I couldn't. I just... I don't know. Yeah. It was a lot. It, it wasn't... It was a lot. Like, obviously, we know he can act. We've seen him act. He's a yeah. good actor. That's not in question. But in this... It was awful. He must. They must have directed everyone to be insanely over the top, but yeah. it it wasn't. Yeah, it, it took me out of it. It made me feel a little bit shaky, a little bit shivery because I was just uncomfortable yeah. for him. So yeah, yeah. no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't okay. And he he was actually asked to dial it back by the director. He actually wow. was told that it's not right. Yeah, but he just carried on. Yeah. Wow. But I did love the bit where he walking along with Pex and he turns to him and he says, Not frightened, are you? <laughs> that was the bit I really liked. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, I do, but that was just more toxic masculinity for me. What do you mean? No, I know, I know, yeah, the toxic masculinity angle totally, but just that line, the delivery of that line, I just laughed out loud. I just oh. did. Yeah. I don't know why it just made me laugh. Really big, proper belly laugh. I guess it does make me worry that maybe the reason that Richard Bryars thought that that was a, the appropriate level of yeah of kind of 
I guess, volume for what he was doing for that and type of yeah. delivery. It just makes me think he possibly does disrespect Doctor Who quite a lot. Like, I oh, think totally. he just thinks it was a big pile of gobshite. Um, and so it didn't matter what he did or he, he just maybe it just needed to be over the top dramatic because Doctor Who doesn't require anything. But sen- I think you'd look at that script, wouldn't you? And think, well, I've got to play it like that. Mm. You know, it's bonkers. I guess. I don't know. I just, to me, the mark of a really, really good actor is one that can make something like that less of a dog turd. But I don't, I think he he added to the pain. This is not some trick, is it? No. No. I've only just begun to enjoy walking around my marvellous towers in this body. But I wouldn't deal very kindly with anybody who was stupid enough to lay a trap for me. You're frightened, are you? I... I think we ought to hurry, Great Architect. Please, let's hurry. As you wish. I, I really could, I couldn't believe Sylvester's little bluff with the fucking waste disposal thing or the door. It was just like, what yeah. are you doing? Like when he's like, oh yeah, that doorknob's not good. Open the door, try and push him through. And I was like, what on earth? I just felt really angry and upset that that was, that was the doctor's big plan. Like they'd been planning this for ages. There was, there was like a whole bloody gang of them it's coming so up with this weird. plan. It's like, what yeah. is the plan? Push him really hard. What are you talking about? That's not a plan. That's just being fucking stupid in the corridor. I know. Yeah, it was not a plan. It was less than a plan. And it, and as you said, the more coming together, they didn't come together to achieve anything. Because as you said, Pex had to take it all on the chin. Pex had to solve everything and be the person he never should have been and didn't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Really... I'm fully with you on that, and I'm really glad we've we've said that really clearly and strongly, and that's the main takeaway. Yeah. Thank you. No, it is because because Pex, like to be honest, I don't think he was a bad actor. I think he was given an impossible role to do something. Yeah. We were supposed to love him for his selflessness, I think, and for being someone that um, just didn't consider himself at all. Who who really was supposed to, I guess, hate himself. Like, that That really came sh- shining yeah. through to me. If you're not quite... If if you're a man and you're not quite a man's man, then you're not good enough. That That's mm. not okay. And um, we really need to... Those people, the only way you're going to survive, really, or not survive, the only way you get through in society is by sacrificing yourself for the greater good. Because the only men that really matter are a true, harsh, scary man. Yeah, not good it enough. A, it was a massively old-fashioned attitude for 1987. Yeah. Horrendous. Really odd. How old yeah. was the dude who wrote it? Oh, well, he's he, he looked like he was in, like, early 60s now, so he has no excuse. Wow. Because he would, have, he would have been a youngish writer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, but I just... I, I was, yeah, by the last scene, like, usually the last scene, <laughs> as you probably know, for a, for a lot of... A lot of these podcasts, I'm not writing much. <laughs> yeah, I'm bored now. <laughs> but I was just, I am so angry about this. This is not okay. These young men are unacceptable. I know. It's I, you, my last line was, fuck you all. Like, I was just, <laughs> it's just so fucking, like, it just, yeah. generally, Doctor Who either ends with a, wow, that was good, or 
It's just like a passive, oh, okay, that's mm. how they want to end it. But this yeah. just ended with so much fury. It was just, yeah. My last my last note was, it's okay to be afraid. Grr. Yeah. <laughs> to be afraid yeah. bastards yeah. like everyone is and afraid who, has was made to feel like they were yeah. a bad human in that like and it, none of no, yeah and none of those people came back from the war no did they all dead they all got fucking killed yeah pointlessly but they're brave and they're bold brave and they're bold oh yeah yeah great yeah yeah no mm. really but also those stupid people fucking sent their kids to, to be looked after by mum and john so thank god <laughs> yeah effectively <laughs> By a, an evil architect buried in the building, in the basement. <laughs> yeah, sure. And the only, and the only safety from that was by putting on the big plan of the towers, saying, "Don't go to the basement. It's dangerous. It's forbidden." Oh, I missed that. Was there a plan? What that was, was on a. Pl- there was a plan that Tilda and Tabby had that Mel found. Yes. Don't go to the basement. Oh, that'll do yes. it then. Brilliant. Sorted. Yeah. But of course, kids would go to exactly to the place where they're told not to go to. Yeah, but, but how would these anyway. people know? Because they never parented for more than 10 minutes before they sent their kids off mm. and then went to war. Back to the no-fly post thing. I would love to think that was a Croagnon rule, because he wouldn't let posters go up, would he? No. Oh, yes. No, I feel that absolutely that was yeah. a... All of that stuff came from him. It was like a don't rule. Like, that's why wall scroll was such a big deal. It was yeah. because it mattered to him, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, that was... Yeah. Him being this kind of evil dictator of don't ruin my beautiful building was a nice a nice touch. I do agree. Yeah. So in a in a wider sense, Paradise Towers is the start of the McCoy era proper because it's the first episode was the first story wasn't was it's just a runaround and it's shit time of the Rani. It's just awful. But this is the first one where it's starting to feel like McCoy in the sense of that he's more serious and... It's a proper it's show. Got, it's, like, it is a it's proper got a theme episode. and it's... Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's the first one that a lot is made of this in reviews by Doctor Who fans. It's, it's the first story that doesn't refer back to the past of Doctor Who at all for a oh, long it's, time. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did a lot of that and it was a real shame, yeah. wasn't it? There's okay. no recurring characters and it's starting off afresh and that's what Doctor Who becomes more for the final two years. But at the time, I can't say I noticed that. You can look back with hindsight and say, oh, yeah, this is the point it turns and it changes and it starts to get better slowly. Mm-hmm. But back then, I was just like, this is this is a load of crap. I'm embarrassed I'm watching. And, That's how I felt. And I completely But maybe it get wasn't that. for me at a 15-year-old. As a 15-year-old, maybe it wasn't for me anymore. Yes. And, and for me, I think I definitely got a lot more from it than I do from some of the lame episodes that we were watching. Like, that I got pleasure from it. I liked, even though it doesn't quite make sense, I liked the concept. I liked the idea of sending these kids and old people to to a place to live. Don't know why I like it, but I quite like it. I like the fact that it's kind of... There's bright colours everywhere. Still always all about the colours. Like, there's always... <laughs> Still important to you. It really is. Um, and I like the gangs having this kind of constant game, but that understanding between each other that, okay, we don't kill each other. Like, that kind of early on was quite nice. Oh, so who killed the yellow cat? Oh, it wasn't us. Like, it's a game that we play. Like, their thing is yeah. just about joy and about kind of the, yeah. the set of rules that they live by. Um, and I really liked cannibalism being introduced in a, in a kids show like I really like that because everything was done in such a pantomime way yet 
the actual things that we're talking about were really quite brutal and vicious. Like I kind of, I love the fact that, you know, that Mel was attacked with like a, a crochet blanket and with a knife. Like it was just really good. Like so it was really childish, but really adult all at the same time. Oh, and yeah, we haven't even talked about the neck curtain over the robot. Like that kind of stuff is just Oh classic. my Lord, that was insane. But yeah, like there's so, a lot so of joy there. Do you think much would have needed to change to make it better? Well, just a clear, consistent plot from beginning to end would have been really yes. nice. Um, but yeah. I think the the disparate parts, the the factions, I like. Um, the cannibalism works well. If there'd have been a better yeah. view about mis- masculinity, like if if like I guess it was done for today's world, where yeah. they could have made a real point about how pecs was the real hero of the piece and he at the end made a stance about not wanting to kill himself for the good of the group that would have been great <laughs> it's unlike yeah um one of the kangs could have done it yeah 100 percent. they've been training for that for a long time by trying to yeah. shoot arrows at random shit um yeah, yeah. it's there, there's definitely a lot and yeah i think that core piece about the the um Karagnon's kind of making keeping his place perfect is yeah there's there's lots of bits in there that i think could yeah. have given pure joy and I, just anything that involves the adults not being there i do like i do like a lord yeah. of the flies-esque kind of yeah. let's let's see how things transpire with, with the absence of proper society like that i really yeah. enjoy so to me yeah. there was a lot of pleasure in this um, Sylvester McCoy didn't annoy me throughout. I do dislike no. a lot no. of his um, over theatricality, but I think, like in the face of Bonnie, like he just thought, okay, I'll, I'll just do normal. Because <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, really, he has to play straight guy to her, doesn't he? he, he really to. does. Because um, she's just enthusing all over the place. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She she is she's bad, but she's bright, and I like her clothes. Um, but yeah, yeah, so no, I I I got so much more pleasure out of this than I was expecting to. Um, with the omission of episode three, like I felt like I was getting something from each episode. So yeah, yeah. no, I think yeah, it was a, it was a good call, and I got I, I went oh yeah we haven't talked about when we first watched it, have we? Well, we kind of have mentioned you and I now was fifteen. We've talked about that. Yeah, I guess, and I just but when I first watched it, I think I've always taken your. Like, I'm too easily influenced by you. And I think at the time, like, I had your fury. And I was like, yeah, that's really bad, that. (laughs) And he says, it's really bad, so it's really bad. Um, But so I've always, it's always been on my list of real shit. Well, this is what happened with John here. um, Because I hated the Peter Capaldi stories when I first watched them. Hated Hmm. them. Was really angry. After the first series, the second and third series, I didn't like at all. No, the second series I didn't like, that was it. And a lot of the first. And John would go around saying, oh, Peter Capaldi's rubbish, isn't he? And then he went to the Peter Capaldi episodes himself and fell in love with his doctor. And then he made me watch them and I realised they were good oh, when I watched them again. Oh, so that kind of, ha- that absolutely happened with that. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's quite nice. So yeah, definitely for me, it was worth a rewatch. And I don't feel, I think this may have been my first rewatch since since we first watched it in the 80s, which is kind of terrifying. Oh, wow. Yeah. <gasps> wow. And, yeah, and I actually, I'm really glad. Like, I, to me, it's like rediscovering it a bit because I'd only ever had bad opinions. And now I'm like, oh, it was actually quite a bit of fun. Like, 
clearly not classic Doctor Who, but it was it was quite joyful, and I I really did mm. get something so, from it. So yeah. yeah, I hated episode one. I mean, I hated it watching it again now. I was I was so angry. I was sat watching it by myself because Marisa and John didn't want to watch it. Shock, and I just I don't know. I wrote down something about how angry I was, but. What did I write down? I wrote down something like, just as, uh, this is what I wrote after episode one. Just as bad as I remembered, ridiculously facile and childish, but thinking that it's clever, it's not clever in any aspect or execution. It's just embarrassing and painful to watch. That's what I wrote down. And I still feel like that about episode one. But as the story progresses, and particularly as they bring in the thing about the architect's vision being spoiled by people, I loved that. And I thought that's really good. And I like the factions. If that had been worked harder and made sense, great. And I hated the Peck stuff for exactly the same reasons as you. So, yeah, it was a painful experience, but it got better. Mm. And by the end, I was kind of almost enjoying it-ish. But apart from what happened at the end. Yeah. So it was a real roller coaster of emotions and opinions from me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I'd say I really enjoyed episode one. So episode one was my favourite episode. Oh, my God! <laughs> you weirdo! <laughs> but no, actually, possibly no. I think my favourite bit was um, Tilly with the with the knife getting really scary. With, cause oh, I yeah, think that was, that was it mental. Was good. Like, oh, she was strong. Like, I believed her. Like, I really believed she would have killed Mel. And I think in the face of everything with this, where cleaners could not possibly strangle you with their big fucking arms, when the doctor escapes from a fucking cleaner when someone just does some some arrow near it. Like, when everything else is so stupid and over the top, she comes at you with that angry fucking voice because she turns angry <laughs> voice with a knife. You're like, shit, she could do this. Like, she, <laughs> yeah, she exactly. really could. Like, and please do it, Tilda. Please kill <laughs> yeah, her. Now, soul. violently. <laughs> yeah. So, how many TARDISes out of ten for you for Paradise Towers? Have you done your little scoreboard for me yet? I don't think you no. even care. Um, okay, God, what did I do with... What was the last one? Two and seven. Two and seven. I, meant... I give it seven, didn't I? Seven. I give it nine and I stick by it. <laughs> oh, honestly. You see, I got a lot of pleasure from this. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Are we doing halves? Are we not doing halves? I don't think we are. We're doing full TARDISes. Full TARDISes. <laughs> oh. See, between for me, it's between a five and a six. Okay. Um. <sighs> I'm going to have to give it a five because I'm not an idiot. Okay. So I'm giving it a two. <laughs> and that's literally just for the the idea about the architect and stuff and the fact that it was a new direction for the show. But that's me being generous, I feel. But that's the, that's the first time that you have scored something significantly lower than me, isn't it? Yes. That's quite a bit. And also, um, that's probably one of the biggest differences between our score lines as well. Or maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think we've only been a few points aside each other, usually. Two points at the most difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's an odd one to see us so so differing in our opinions. But yeah, yeah, I I, I got a lot of pleasure from it. I really did. I was was not expecting to. It was a goodie. Yeah. Yes. 
And by that point, I'd cancelled Doctor Who magazine as well. I went all out. I was like, I hate everything about it. I will this. make sure the world knows how angry I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Right, so what is next yeah. then? I've enjoyed that one. I feel enthused for more. Right. Well, we have to think. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Let's do a round off and goodbye from the episode first, and then we'll decide. All right, then. All right. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye. I always, I always, Bye. No, more than that. Bye. No. <laughs> I know how much you hate it when they do that. I do. <laughs> because, like, the viewers want, the viewers <laughs> want more. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, thank you for joining me on our trip around Paradise Towers on the World Enough and Time podcast. I have been Andy. Yes, and I'm always Alex, and I've enjoyed it very much. Aside from the toxic masculinity, thank you, and goodbye, and thank you. Bye. There. We did it. We did it. Thank you. Good. Right. Yes. Oh, I can have a sausage roll. Oh, thank fuck. I can have a sausage roll. Yes, that sounded like the expert on the sofa in French and Saunders. <laughs> I thought I'd get a sausage. <laughs> <laughs>